0: Hello, and welcome to episode 45 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. And I'm Will. And you almost missed your line. Good job. And joining us again this week is Brent Lambert. Thanks for spending time with us again, man. We really appreciate you being back on the show.
1: Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here.
0: (laughs) And um, so usually at the top of the show, we talk about, we thank our patrons, which we thank every week so thank you everybody who contributes to the show um and you can do that at patreon.com slash just keep writing so we really appreciate everybody doing that and we usually talk about upcoming conferences and stuff we're involved in and since we have you brent we figured we'd talk about firecon which this episode should drop right when that's all happening so if you could tell our listeners a little bit again what firecon is and your role in it and um why they should check it out next year if they're too late this year
1: yeah for sure all right so um firecon is pretty much uh convention that is focused on the contributions of um, BIPOC uh, writers in the SFF industry. So um, it's starting today. We have our little opening ceremony, and then um, the actual convention is on the 17th and the 18th. Um, we're going to have some live programming that's happening, but we're also having some um, pre-recorded programming that we're also going to have in place, too. So um, we have certain things that we don't want people missing out on, so that's going to be out there. And then uh, we have the Ignite Awards that's also happening during the convention, which is um, an award ceremony specifically uh, dedicated to the contributions of my POC and allies within the community. So I'm excited for that. That's going to be fun. Uh, First ever annual awards for that. Hopefully first of many. And my role in it, I am the program director. So I'm basically the guy that has to herd the writers together into their proper places and gets them ready to go and figures out times and dates and whatnot. So a lot of spreadsheets has been my life for the past <laughs> three months, but, <laughs> but it's fun. It's a labor of love. So, um, yeah, if you didn't get the chance to get a ticket this year, definitely look out for it next year. Um, we threw it together pretty fast this year. So hopefully next year we have a little more time to space it out and, you know, really kind of build the interest and just kind of gauge it and let more people show up. So if you didn't get to it this year, definitely look forward to it next year.
0: That's awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I've done a couple virtual things and you know uh, conferences and stuff like that we talked about in the last episode, but um, I'm looking forward to it and seeing what happens and I I can't wait to attend. So uh, if you didn't do it this year, definitely do it next year and, and check them out online. It's, it's the best way to do it. Follow them for sure. And submit. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, please submit. Uh, we have um we, we're a pro magazine now. So if you get a story through us that goes towards your pro level with the um science fiction rise of America. So we are officially awesome. pro. So you're going to get paid too. So submit.
0: Awesome. That's great. So um all right guys. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to Will. He has his notes that uh, he's uh disguised from me or hidden from me. Um I might cut that. I'm just messing with you i no, said you to your face me. i'm sorry uh, No, i, I love it, it. you keep messing
2: with me because you know what they can't see they can't see this okay um For them, you're not benefiting yeah. from the video feed he's putting me off okay yeah, to so your, <laughs> to your listeners they're all men bitches that i um <laughs> okay literally they're men bitches
0: okay Oh, that's a good one for the bloopers. Okay, so uh, this week, I'm going to turn it over to Will to talk about what we plan to do this episode. And possibly, if it goes a little long, we'll we'll do this into our next episode that's not an interview as well. So what do you got for us, Will?
2: Well, we have FIACON coming up, as Brent just talked about. And then about we that. have the Writing Excuses and Surrey um, workshop that's happening the week after. All of us are attending. Uh, well, me, Nick, and Marshall are. I don't know if Brent is. Brent, are you going to the Surrey?
1: I am disappearing into the east or west or whatever. The week after. Yeah, yeah. After whatever Galandriel Gil- did, that's what I'm doing. I'm disappearing.
2: I love <laughs> it. Um, so I'm super excited about that. As far as, you know, Just Keep Writing, we have our Instagram handle at Just Keep Writing Podcast, where we have a book of the day that we like to celebrate. You know, a book that one of us have read or a book that is... Coming out, Uh, we like to highlight the author and it's just a good resource if you're looking for something to read. And also it helps support other authors who might not, you know, get as much press as like the big names. Um, Also, if you could give us a five star review at Apple Podcasts. Because the algorithms help us see more people. And since we are all about creating a community of inclusiveness and uplifting, it would really help if you spread the word so more people can find us. Other than that, um, what do you want me to address? Let's see. Well, what I'm, you I'm glad you mentioned.
3: You're very uplifting tonight, Will. No, I'm gaining no, 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 way too many birds. <laughs> Way, Way too many, many what? what? Birds? Birds? Birds, birds can be uplifting. Right? Yeah, yeah birds, birds are uplifting. Something about man bitches. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, we already, no, we already cut that. Nick. We already, hey, we already cut come
0: that. Come on. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm
3: surprised. I'm um, surprised. You should have kept it.
0: Anyway, what I was getting at though too is, uh again, we are at uh, Surrey and WXR, and I don't know what my role is 100 yet during that one. I don't know what I'm attending yet. Um, but I'm technically staffed for WXR, so I might have a different role when those events are going on. But I'm really excited to see how that unfolds. This will be the first um, collaboration, obviously, between Surian and WXR events. So I'm um, stoked to see what happens with that. And we'll all, all three of us will be there. And um, besides that, Will has what we are going to do this episode. Correct, sir?
2: Yeah. So for the next few episodes, when it's all of us, we're going to actually be talking about um, mastering plot twists. And part of it is based on a book by Jane K. uh, Cleland. And we're going to cover the first few chapters uh, today, maybe into the next episode as well. Let's see how long we talk. And it's really just about, you know, um, creating conflict and how things can be Plotted out, and also a way to create um, plot twists throughout your work where it is not coming out of nowhere, where the reader might feel that it is coming out of nowhere, but you're really distilling it down to an essence of a story, and then you're building upon it.
0: Sounds good. I'm in.
2: I'm going to just Sorry, go man. over some things, and then I'm going to open it up to everyone. Does that sound good? Great. Yeah, let's do it. So, I think the first thing we want to talk about is conflict. Conflict is really about um, turning your story into a compelling, specific, tangible uh, situation all the way from the beginning to the end, right? So you can't have a story without a conflict. What you would have is like a vignette, which no one reads, unless it's published by like J.R.R. Tolkien or, you know, like (laughs) Stephen King. People would read that and be like, oh my God, it's the greatest thing ever. Um, And it's not. So... (laughs) Let's well, if talk, they wrote it, it's worth reading, right? I mean, is it really? I don't know. I mean, some old- like, yeah, Well, okay. I mean, that's the idea, right? Yeah. So let's talk about three different kinds of internal conflict first. The first one is choosing between two good options. And the second one is choosing between two bad options. The third would be choosing between a good and a bad option. All of these conflicts are internal. So now I'm going to turn it over to everyone else and talk about what kind of examples can you give for the first one, which is choosing between two good options. Can anyone think of a story that they read that they had two good options to go towards?
0: Does it have to be, uh, are we talking strictly stories or can we talk about tv movies stories and all of
2: that it. is story so it's okay. it's about yeah, no, what I'm you're mistaken. seeing off the thing so everything has a narrative right right so if you want to use tv you can use movies because i'm going to get more specific towards books as we go through our talk
1: so i feel like with two good options like there's a trope that really falls well into that with the whole love triangle i feel like it's always the one that kind of fits that because it's like i like you. <laughs> I like you too. Like I'm thinking of like the Hunger Games books. Like right. you know before before Gail kind of like went dark, but she had you know you had Peter, you had Gail. Both were good for different reasons, and it was like I I don't know which one to pick out of the two.
3: Yeah, I went straight to romance too, thinking like two good options usually involves romance and love triangles. So.
0: Well, it's the protagonist, though, that's going to benefit from those options. It's not necessarily the people that she's choosing are going to benefit as well, right? We're talking, we're focusing on the protagonist in this case, right?
2: Well, I want you to focus on whoever you think, because I was just going to bring that up. Because right now we heard just from the protagonist, which tends to be the hero. But if we look at, say, Star Wars, the villain, Darth Mm -hmm. Vader had two good options corrupt my son and rule the galaxy together. Or I keep bow di- bowing to this wrinkled old ass uh, Sith, like is overly <laughs> dominating. So, and he would have been fine know. in both situations. Exactly, because <laughs> either way, he would have you know he would have been like second man bitch to the Emperor. But like with Luke, you know, but he still had two good options
0: because he was comfortable. It was a win win right. for Vader. So is it a comfort thing or is it really like good? And and also, and this is going to go into chapter three eventually, and I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but it's about perspective too. Because if, if another character is looking at Vader's options, he's like, well, both of those are bad because you're evil in both instances. But for Vader, he is fine in both situations, right?
1: Well, if you look at the emperor too, he's fine. Well, sort of, he had two good options too. It was like, he kills this son and gets him out the way and I can end this damn rebellion (laughs) <laughs> or he co- he corrupts his son, and I have two servants to go out there and do what I need to do.
0: Right, right.
2: And I think too, like if we're if we're, I mean, since we're geeking out and talking about Star Can Wars, I just say I'm
0: just excited that we just went straight to Star Wars because <laughs> yeah, like, this is where like, I'm at. Okay, yeah. continue.
2: <laughs> I also think though too is that the the first six movies, and even to an extent, maybe the new three one, it really is about Vader falling and redeeming himself, but also from his perspective at first, you know, he was trying to save people, right? That was his intent, to save Padme and to bring Mm -hmm. order to the galaxy because all he saw was chaos. He lost his mother, you know, he never could go back. The Jedi, in his mind, and I think when you... I think those prequels don't get enough credit because the Jedi did something wrong with him, okay? They took him away from his his family, okay? And while they used to do that when they were younger, let's just think about that for a minute. You're literally taking these kids away from their family to train them into this um, martial arts, Confucius-like way of thinking, but you're tearing something that's been centered, and they never let Anakin deal with his trauma of being a slave. In right. fact, they minimized it. Go ahead, yeah,
1: yeah. No, I was just thinking. Like, it, I mean, literally, Qui Gon is like, "We'll take the child, but forget the mom. You both are slaves, but the the kid's more important. We're going to leave your mom as a slave, knowing everything that that entails on this planet, and I'm
0: bringing you along." And like, that, and how that's, that's a terrible. I mean, and the fact that everybody's just like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. But like the poor mom is sitting there like, all right, I want what's best for my kid. But like, I'm also seeing there could be a way out, but they're just okay with the system the way it is too. And that's, that's an inherent problem with the Jedi as well. Is they're like slavery exists? We know it exists. We know it's bad, but I'm just going to help this one child because that works for us. You know what I mean? And and you know, what's
2: fascinating is, uh, I don't know if you've ever read the story of, like George Lucas's story, that part was done purposely. He purposely oh, yeah? put that in there. Yeah. Because, you know, um, George Lucas is people can say what they want about him, but I'll tell you what he is, is he is a rebel. He completely was involved in civil rights, rights, uh, March. Uh, and in fact, when he sold Lucasfilm, I think, I don't know if we talked about this on the usual, but he it's wanted possible. to open another studio. Near Skywalker Ranch, and his rich people that lived in that area said, Absolutely not. You know, we don't want more business. So instead, what he did is he got approval from um, the city of where Skywalker Ranch is to build low income housing instead.
0: Right. Yeah, I heard about that. And,
2: And so his whole thoughts was that, you know, it was much more complex than what I think people actually give it credit for. Yeah. You know, he purposely wanted to point that out because I mean, what did Qui-Gon do? He did what most white people have done in the past when it came to any type of movement for black Americans, you know, yeah. well, we'll help this person because they're the exception when that's just not true. I like how we went right there. That was great. I mean, really, I also want to bring up a work of um literature that we can think of that has two good options, right? Right. And I think, again, this is about point of view, but let's talk about, um, we'll go with Lord of the Rings for a minute. Okay. Cause then I want to do something completely opposite. Frodo could have just kept the ring yep. or he could have done, you know, brought it there. You know, it would have been, he would have lived his life like Bilbo Baggins had just having the ring, not worrying about it. Or he could do, you know, a heroic thing and get involved. Both of them had equal risks, but both of them would have made sure in a way, you know, that like in Frodo's mind, he felt like, why well, have the ring? I'm going to throw it in and I'm still going to be fine in the beginning. Right. Like he didn't, he didn't think that things were going through. Can we think of any books or movies where it's not about romance, but the lead is a woman or a young girl? I
3: kind of want to go with the wish wish song of Shannara. Okay. And it's been a long time since I read it. Which character? Well, the great granddaughter. So you're saying it's the
2: granddaughter because she could stay and help the Elkries or she could go on a journey. I you
3: said, know. So wish, wish song, not Elfstones. Wish song.
2: Oh, um.
3: That's the one okay. where, they're, where they're, yeah. they're great. A couple generations later, right?
2: Yes. So when, when she's she her, her she brother. Song, mm-hmm. Yeah, or she can go with um the druid. She could stay mm-hmm. with her brother. Or she can go with the druid, you know. Um, both are good options because she would be um, she would be making a decision in her mind or favor, right? Is that what you're thinking?
0: Yeah, that,
3: yeah. And I and I like how you brought up the sword, of Shannara, as well. There, where uh, I am drawing a blank on her name. You
0: have to what's remember all the, all
3: the things. What's Nick? The princess's <laughs> name. I know what's the princess's name. Will
2: well, it um, Shannara was,
3: sword. Are we talking sword or are we talking wish song? Sword of Shannara because oh, no. you, you, you started mentioning her and she did have two really good options. I feel like.
2: No, that wasn't sword. He had no women in there that had any type of, um, he had no type of women in that first book that actually had any type of credits. It's Bryn Ohms who was daughter of Will Ohms Ford. Cause she's the one who has the power of the wish song. Right. So yeah,
3: you yeah. don't you don't feel like the princess in sort of Shannara had a well, had a good storyline when it came to you're Gale.
2: talking about let's roll back you're talking about stones of Shannara when they're they're princess right. okay so let's get your um, well,
3: let's literature get my correct books straight.
2: okay um, so I actually yeah so I don't think no in there she had um, she had more credence in. Elfstones, but not as much as I think the book that I actually want to bring up, which is um Dawn from Octavia Butler. Okay? okay. Because Lilith had two good options. She could um break out with the people who refused to be um part of the aliens recolonization, okay, or she could accept the gifts that they've given and try to maneuver herself in a way that the human race moves on. Right. I think yeah, both I never, them, I never
0: finished that series. I read the, uh, the, the first one. You just, no, I read the uh, um, parable series. Great. So Star, yeah.
2: Um, Brent, have you read um, Dawn?
1: I have not. I've read, um, is wild seed part of that um, sequence or cause that's the one yeah, I read.
2: Wow. Wild Seed is um, part of a different sequence. Okay, okay. uh, For anyone who hasn't read it, let me just give you a little synopsis of Dawn. It's book one in the um, Xenogenesis book. And Lilith is waking up from a centuries-long sleep, and she finds herself aboard a spaceship of the Cali, right? And what's interesting about these aliens is that there's three genders. There's typically a male gender, a female gender, and a third gender that works between those two other genders. So Earth was uh, in a nuclear war and dying. So they've tried to wake up different human beings. And here we meet Lilith, who is one of the first women who reacted in a way that was conducive. And I don't want to say this to make you think that Lilith was weak or was giving in. Lilith did none of those things. She was resourceful. She had credence. She was smart. And they did give her advanced strength over the other humans. So what the aliens were trying to do was only allow reproduction to happen between the aliens and humans. Hmm. And The reproduction for the humans who refused the aliens' gifts were sterile. They were not allowed to reproduce. So, in my mind, when you think of that story, Lilith had choices. You know, both of them were really hard choices, though. Do I go with my people who are not advanced in any, like not advanced physically from the aliens, who are human beings, who were, you know, saved? from these aliens, or do I try to move the human race and move forward? I think if anyone hasn't read that, that book not only is a great, um, psychological, uh, conflict, it is a spiritual conflict and it is a physical conflict. And it is a masterclass of how you can actually write something that is thought provoking and psychologically twists and turns, because I think when you read that book and I encourage everyone to read it because one Octavia Butler, like, hello, she's amazing. Yeah, Butler's amazing. But um, I think you can really get a sense of how you can build in internal conflict really well.
0: Well, and I think you said something else there too. The idea is that, uh, you know, that conflict spurs on the twists and turns of the plot. And that's kind of what yeah. we're talking about with, with this stuff as well. Right. So if we're talking about, you know, two good choices, that's one thing, but then what do we got? It's uh one, two bad choices, right? Is that where you want to mm-hmm. go next? Yeah. So
2: yeah. let's talk about two bad choices. Can anyone think of a movie, a TV show, a book that there's two bad choices,
1: so I know we said to try to talk about like some books that we think should get more like attention and whatnot. So there is this one series, it's a lengthy series, it's like 10 books, but it's called um The Shadows of the App. So just to kind of explain, because I'm sure most people don't know this, but this world basically is um, so there's it's like a fantasy world, but everyone is um, there's these city states, and everyone is kind of like has like an insect attachment, sort of. So there's, they call them chidens. So you have ant chidens, you have mantis chidens, you have beetles, so on and so forth. And each one comes with its own special ability. So ant cities are completely silent because ants, they can talk with each other telepathically. So that's yeah. like their ability. So you have all of these different people who are based on cultures based around insects, whatever. And there's the wasp empire. And the wasp empire is basically trying to conquer the world. So they're like they're they're almost like fashioned after the Roman Empire. They're very militaristic, they're very like they're very like just mean people. But there's two kinds of so there's the insects that can do magic, and then there's the insects that can perform science and technology. So the ones that can perform science and technology, they're the ones kind of like ruling the world right now. So there's a point in, I'd say maybe book four, book five, there's the emperor of the wasp empire. He's like this sycophant, like a Nero type. And he has a little sister. And his little sister is like under constant fear of being killed by him because his wasps, wasps have a tendency to kill their siblings. So she's kind of like in this position where she's like, my brother's going to kill me at some point. But there's this um, mosquito chitin dude, and he's like this mysterious advisor. And he's all like, I can make you the Empress. You can rule. You just have to like do what I tell you. So she has these bad choices because she does not trust this man at all, and she's like, "I know he's using me, but it's either I go with him or I let my brother kill me. So I have to decide which one I, you know, go with." And she ultimately chooses the mosquito guy, which mm. wasn't the best choice. She should have just let her brother kill her. Honestly, with everything else that happens to her going forward, like she should just let him offer, but. In that instance, she didn't she had two bad choices. It's like I either let my brother eventually kill me or I go with this mysterious evil wizard type dude who's who probably wants to drain my blood dry. But that's yeah, it's an interesting series, and like I always think about that because like she had to make this terrible decision for herself, basically.
0: Well and I think I she was like 14 or
1: 15 at the time, too. So she was a girl, she was a teenager. Yeah,
0: there's 10 books. It's Adrian, um, Ch- I don't know Ch- how oh, to- I'm gonna
1: say it wrong, Tchaikovsky. Chich- yeah.
0: Chich- yeah, something like that. Yeah. Sure.
1: Something like that. <laughs> yeah. He's an amazing yeah. writer. Like I just yeah. I hate that more people don't know him, but
0: yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I have a better one. I have a really good example for the next section, but I feel like this happens a lot in TV shows where you have where you 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 literally you have the characters sitting and trying to figure out, okay, do you know they're both bad choices, but like like Brent said a second ago, which one is Better right now, kind of thing. You know what I mean? And it's like, and obviously that propels the plot forward, um, which is right. which is important for for storytelling. Obviously,
1: <laughs> I like two bad choices. Like that's the one of the mm-hmm. ones, the three that we listed. Like that's my favorite thing to read, and that's my favorite thing to write and watch. So there's a, um, I'm sure you, you, all of you've heard of this show. I think How to Get Away with Murder does the two bad choices very well. Like at the end of season two, Annalise is like. We either go to jail, or you shoot me. Like that's that's the two options. Like you have to shoot me, and it's yeah. this incredible. I mean, one of the most, to me at least, one of the most incredibly well acted scenes in television, where she's trying to convince these kids: one of you needs to take this gun and shoot me, or we're all going to jail.
3: Right.
1: And it's it's this, and I, and I think that's why I lean towards bad choices because it creates this intense emotion. Because nobody wants to pick either one. It's like you got to do one though.
0: But in your head, as the viewer or the reader, like my wife and I right now are watching The Expanse. And and you know we're a little slow on the uptick here. They're in season three or four or whatever. And say what you want about the show. But they do a really good job of, of because everything is kind of so shitty, like you have to kind of, all those choices are, which is the better bad choice? And as the viewer, or you have to, in your head, in my head, the whole time I'm like, well, I would do this one. But I know this character, and they're going to do this because they have these motivations, also. And that's the other thing as a storyteller, you have to take into a into a account too if you're if you're creating these characters. And then we're going to get into this obviously as we get deeper into the character driven part of it. But you know, if if your reader or your uh, viewer, whatever you want to say, is actively thinking about the choices along with you, along with your characters, that means you're telling a compelling story, right? Um, right. and, and if you're trying to weigh out two bad choices, it's like, well, that's shitty, that's shitty, but this one's not as bad right now. You know what I mean? And, and being okay with watching the characters make those mistakes. Cause you know what's going to happen as a fallout for that choice. Right. I think,
2: um, another speaking of two bad options, I actually want to bring to, uh, one of the books that I chose for this one was Emily Skretzky's Bonds of Brass. Um, Yes. Where we have two of the characters, um, Etan and Gaul. Etan's whole entire life was destroyed by the Umber Empire, and then he was forced to join the ranks. Now, he fell in love with his best friend, Gaul, and it's been unrequited, basically. There's been a lot of tension in the beginning. And then we find out that Gaul is training under uh, the Umber Empire, and in fact, he's actually the ruler. Of the, he's the prince who's going to ascend to, you know, to be the ruler. And then what happens is someone tries to kill them. So, uh, under this academy. So they flee and now um, they have to go to the enemy, which is actually Etan's people. So I feel like for Gaul, he has two bad options. I can either go with these people who hate me, you know. Or I can try to go back to the academy where they're equally trying to kill me. And I don't know whose side is on. And this is what's interesting, I feel like, um, because I feel like this shows you two bad options. But at the same time, it also links the first option, which is, you know, between um a good option. You know, while he has two bad options, the one good option is no matter what, if he's with the Ton, the person that he's known for the last five years, the person that you know, they both have mutual feelings for. He knows that he could be safe, that he knows that Etan will be honorable and love him. And he just wants to be loved, but he's still putting himself in danger.
0: So yeah, I felt That like, book handles all that really well, by the way.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think that does really good world building and really good conflicts because it really builds up the tension, uh, which leads us to choosing between a good and bad option.
0: Well, I, I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw one out there real quick uh, because this one's been on my mind for this choice is, um, and and there's dozens of books, but um, Ari Salvatore's character Drist, This is his when he emerges when he decides to leave the Underdark. the The choice is stay in the Underdark, deal with this crazy matron mother and this dark, twisted society, or leave. And enter another society that kind of also hates him, but it's a better choice in that he can maybe find somebody there. That's, it's a good choice for him. But societally, and I think this is where the nuances and stuff are really fun to play with as a writer, is it's going to be really shitty for Driss to leave the Underdark because everybody outside the Underdark hates Dark Elves, right? But that's a better choice for him because he cannot live in that society right? So although he's going to deal with conflict, he can find hope and friendship and stuff and all that in on the surface, right? So No, I love it. I love it. I'm a huge fan of Dritz and Ari yeah, Salvatore. It.
2: I love it. What are some other options? Anyone have any?
3: Yeah, so one of my current favorite series, uh, it's a nine book series. is by Philip C. Quintrall. Um And so I'm going to just base off the first book um, in the first um, trilogy there is called rise of the ranger um and main character is asher and asher throughout this whole book just wants to live a peaceful life and this is coming from the back cover so this isn't a spoiler or anything like that but he's been alive for a thousand years but he has no memory of it and so he's got picked up by this assassins uh clan more or less where they trained him for 40 plus years um, and he finally escapes and he just wants to live a simple life. Um, and so for him, he's trying to be normal. He's trying to just be able to go to the tavern and not get attacked and stuff like that. And he gets twisted up into giving up this ring that he remembers having since he was a kid. And that's the only memory he has of any type of family and stuff like that. Um, surprised the ring is actually tied to the gods and people want to bring the gods back and so he's stuck with this well do i just go into hiding it once again or do i give up this ring that i have that they're saying is going to bring the gods back and as you can tell the gods are evil though
0: (laughs) (laughs) of course they are (laughs) always messing shut up (laughs) it's such a good series it's a nine book series yeah we're, we're we're mentioning some beast series right now people yeah. <laughs> People have some reading to do after this, huh? Right. <laughs> the Spellmonger
3: series is great, too. If anyone wants to read that, it falls in line with all three of these. Just throwing it out there. Nice.
2: Brent, do you have anything like that you want to um, say? <laughs> the last option.
1: And this is for a good choice and a bad choice. Um, yep. Okay. So I think of. I kind of think of Darrow a little bit from Red Rising, at least in the first book, because um he has the he had this I well not really ideal life so but he had a happy life right and um then he loses he loses the love of his life and it's like either you stay in the drudges and you just kind of wallow in your pity or you allow us to genetically alter you and so that you can infiltrate this gold society so for him. He only he has the, the the good, the bad choice of just ignoring what happened to his wife and continuing to live basically as a slave or the good choice of and it's, and the reason I like it because it's a good choice, but it's a choice that comes with so much pain even behind it. Like I, I, I like choices with pain following them. So even the good choice has some pain because the best choice for him is to fight back, fight back in memory of the woman he lost and fight back for his family and whatnot. So I always think of him with the good and a bad choice.
0: Well also the pain that comes along with choices that characters have too drives the plot. Yeah. And that's part of the the arc of the, the characters as well. So I haven't read that series, but that's awesome. Yes. Oh
1: yeah, it's a great series. I guess I should have explained it. Um so basically um there's it's set in the future and society is divided by people by color. Not like racial color though, but by like I guess people were genetically altered to Fit different types of tasks. So you have the golds. The golds are pretty much the people who rule society. They have super strength. They're really statuesque, modelist type people. Then you have um, you have people like blues who are like math- mathematicians. They're navigators. They're the ones who plug yeah. in the ships. So everybody pretty much they created this really ordered society after rebelling against Earth and eventually killing all regular humans. Wow. And, But there's this, the lowest class is called Reds. Reds are the people who mine Mars. Now, they've been lied to their whole existence. They think that they're preparing Mars for colonizers to come and arrive. The golds and everybody else have been living there for centuries, above the surface, above them. They've been mining resources just to supply their wealth and their life on Mars. And they've, they've never known it until this one guy, Darrow, his wife, is killed for like a minor offense and he's like full of revenge. And so the rebellion comes to them like, Hey, we can, we can genetically alter you and make you into a gold and you can infiltrate the society and take it down. So wow. they genetically alter this guy and he goes to their Academy for like their elite students to try to kind of like become a soldier and then it just progresses from there. Like he graduates, the, he causes all kinds of shit to happen. But yeah, it all just kind of stems from that one choice. It's um right now it's five books, but it's going to be six. So yeah, okay. so, he the dude is um since we're talking about plot twists, like I think of him, he is like a master of plot twists. Like he's he's amazing with it.
3: I that yeah. sounds interesting um, enough to me. Yeah. I'm gonna go pick that
0: well, up. Well, that class system is reminded like me of crowd. of a Brave New Brown, World yeah. as well like the way that the the i don't know if any of you have read brave new world but i i taught it for a little while to seniors but the idea is like creating uh genetically making caste systems basically and but also there's a conditioning that comes along with it so if you're the lower class you're also really dumb and you can only be in that class and you have no desire to move up you know so i think that I, i think it's interesting to play with stuff like that so i'm 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 definitely gonna check that out that's awesome
1: it's very interesting and the way he does his action is just like it's cinematic as hell Mm -hmm. like his writing is just very impressive on the plot plotting front and just cinematic front i I managed to get my brother who does not read to like blow through the first three books so uh yeah it's a pretty good series
0: isn't that great when you get someone who doesn't read to read a thing (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it. I'm like, I'll read it with you if you want. Like, you like <laughs> right? it? Like, let's go. Yeah. That's
2: awesome. Yeah. Those books are really good. He, it's also very violent, um, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah you're going to love it. It's, it's really, really well done. So I guess the book that I think I would pick, but just like to Brent's point, even the good option isn't always really the best option. Or it's painful is um Adam Silveras, they both die at the end. I don't know if anyone You keep
3: asking this and I'm like already like we,
2: we've talked know. about it,
0: but I haven't read it yet. No. They
3: both die at the end. <laughs>
0: yeah, I haven't read it yet. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I'll tell you it's um it's about two characters, Mateo Torres and uh Rufus Amaterio And they get a call, and this is in a very futuristic world. Um that they're going to die, um, that today's their last day to live and events happen. And so ultimately they have two choices. They can spend it alone and sit there and figure out when they're going to die, um, or how, or they can go out and, um, they contact an app for that called Last Friend. And that's how the two what? meet. Oh yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, it is really beautifully written and it is heartbreaking at the same time because say, I'm crying already. Literally, the story, <laughs> there's, there's, you're not getting a twist of um, the title says everything. They both die at the end. Mm. But it is the choices that we make in that 24 hour period that can be profound and deeply beautiful. And so that is a, um, a really great way that you can choose a bad option. Do I want to spend it doing or meeting people that can bring me joy? Or do I want to sit there and just be in my house all alone? And maybe the house is going to blow up. Because when, they, when Death um, Note calls you, not Death Note, it's Death Cast. I'm thinking of the anime. Um, when Death Cast calls you, you don't know how you're going to die. Yeah. You just know that today's your last day.
0: I have so, so many in, questions. <laughs> oh, well, you we just have to. Oh, read the this is not the podcast for that, sir.
2: We can read the book and we can <laughs> dissect it later on another podcast episode. So, moving on, I think what we're really saying is that even I love Brent's example of um, Red Rising, and I know you got Marshall and Nick haven't read it yet. But what's great about Red Rising is that you think it moves so great because of the action um, throughout the story, because the action in the story is phenomenal but it's actually the internal conflict that moves the whole story. So really when you look at conflict in stories, it is all internal. That precedes external things happening, like action, mm-hmm. things blowing up, people stabbing each other or you know just another day in the neighborhood I grew up in. Um <laughs> so so when we think about conflict, you know, that's that's what we're trying to do. We're constantly trying to raise the stakes. We're trying to build it. But how can we do it in a way that is focusing on surprise or what would seem like some surprise to the readers? Anyone want to tackle that?
1: So I guess like if you – I'm trying to think of the right way to word. It's like if you subvert – what would be like expected in a way that's organic? I'm, um, for instance, like there's Buffy used to do that really well, like with certain episodes, how they would like the character that you expect to do a thing doesn't do the thing, and they actually like all right, uh, I'm trying to think of, god dang it, I can't think of the right example right now, but um, there's a character that kills someone, and and it's like wait, I didn't think they were gonna kill him, and I can't remember it now, so um, I'm gonna let someone else go.
2: It's Faith when she killed the human and Buffy couldn't believe that, I can't believe you did that. He was fine and he wasn't a demon. He was a human. And then it just morally just made everything
1: it And it just caused this cascade the rest of the season and for her character, it just completely altered it. It just, yeah, that's a part, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if
0: any of you guys have watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does a pretty good job of this as well. And there's the Simmons character who I think in season two at some point makes the decision. And she's usually, you know, she's not a killer, she's a scientist, right? But she makes the decision to try to kill someone who's betrayed the group multiple times. And you don't expect that person to do that. But after that, and, and it's, it mirrors exactly what you guys said, after that, her character takes this downward turn towards like really being against mutants and all this other stuff and like really becoming someone she's really not because she's dealt with all this trauma and been betrayed so many times. And I think it's really interesting storytelling wise um, to play with that a little bit. And that's a that's a really good twist is when a character makes a decision that you don't expect them to make, you know? Which
2: also then leads into our next questions when you kind of break down Those stories that you both mentioned. Uh, And there's three questions Who longs for what? What are those people willing to do to satisfy their longings? Who or what opposes them? So let's go with Brent's mention of Buffy and Faith and that moment. What does Faith long for? Faith, really, in my opinion, and everyone can jump in after this, longs for connection. Agree, disagree.
1: Yeah, I agree. No, that's that's I think that's definitely it. She she wants a family. She wants maybe not a family, but she wants people that care about her. Yeah, she wants to be able to care about people, too. That's why she tried so hard with Buffy to, like, build this sisterhood with her, even though Buffy was kind of resisting it at first.
2: Exactly. And now what was she willing to do to satisfy her longings? So this is where she goes around the dark term. She's trying to impress Buffy. She's trying to bond Buffy, but she crosses a line that Buffy can't handle, right? So this is where the mayor comes in. And the mayor is giving her this surrogate father she never had, is giving her this light that she had. And, you know, think about the psychology of how Faith grew up. Faith grew up in an abusive household. She grew up in a household that was, um, very chaotic. So when you grow up sometimes in that chaos, you tend to believe the bad things, right? You tend to think, well, I am a killer, or I am going to do bad things. But this person, the mayor, loves me, where Buffy does not, and her group does not.
1: Yeah, no, I think even in the um, expanded comics, there was a point where they talked about that, and Faith even mentioned that was like, I know he was a terrible guy, but... There's still a part of me that misses him because he made me feel like his daughter.
2: Yes. Yeah. And then who or what opposes them, right? For Faith, it was multi-leveled. It was Buffy was, the Watchers were, Um, then not only that, it was Angel who was against her. And then in turn, um, you know, it was the very person who quote unquote cared for her was also using her as a tool, even though it wasn't obvious for her. Um, does anyone else have any examples of things that they've watched or they've read that answers those three questions? And it is.
0: Well, I'll tell you what I, it's on page 30. Um, well, the activity is on page 30. Uh, yeah, there's some examples yeah. on page 29 in the text. And I was just about to bring it back to this because the activity on page 30 was surprisingly difficult for me and it was, it was, it was weird because I'm sitting there. I'm like, Oh, I, I know what my characters, you know, I'm looking at the prompt. I was like, okay, what does my character long for? And I wrote my character's name. And then I just sat there and I was like, have I never approached this question before? Have I never thought about this question before? And I think this is super important, especially in a longer piece, like in a novel, if you don't know this and it doesn't come quickly, then Where's the conflict? Right. And so now I'm starting to backtrack a little bit and thinking, like, did I do it unconsciously? And yeah, on some level I did, you know, and I know what my character wants. And it took me a minute to get there. But at the same time, it's like if if I'm if I'm analyzing it, it's in a very important question to ask yourself as a storyteller because, okay, what does my character want? Um, and you know, we can analyze, you know, fiction that's published or whatever, and and TV shows and stuff because people have already answered this question and it's pretty apparent on the screen or whatever. But if if you're having difficulty answering this question after some thought, like it didn't take me too long, but I was like, okay, yeah, now I know what my character wants. But if you're having a real hard time with it, that's a question ask yourself sooner rather than later. Because how how do you how do you continue to plot and how do you continue to unfold? And and the definitely the plot twists aren't gonna come if you don't know what your character wants and how to take that away from them and that kind of thing, right? I don't think I answered Will's question, but um, I, I think you answered your um, own question. I which answered is, my own question. Yeah, this is why and, we're doing it. And it was yeah. important to ask myself this. And I and I typed it out and and I'm I'm happy with my answer. I also know when I go back to revise that I have to expand upon that and make sure that those and, and you know, and other authors we've studied and talked about before, they talk about you know, you make promises and did you keep those promises, right? Are you fulfilling those promises? And you know, if I say in the beginning my character wants X, Y, and Z. Yet by the end, or even by the middle, none of those things are even touched upon. Then I have an inherent problem with my plot, and there's definitely not going to be any other time to play with plot twists and 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 that kind of thing as well. So I don't know if that helps answer your question, Will. But I'm done talking.
3: Well, yeah, I loved it, Marshall, uh, because yeah, I, I struggle with I I struggle with it too, because um, I tried to actually use multiple books for this example, and it really makes you think. Like, dang, what does this character want? Um, And I think the people who, the books I liked the most didn't like drive this point a lot. It was there, Mm. but it wasn't like in your face about it, which I really liked. I really, that's what I enjoyed. It was, it was more subtle than anything. But again, looking at my own work, man, do I got some work to do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't you hate that? You you, you get asked a question. Like I I was earlier, Will, I sent you that thing on that interview I was doing and I'm like, and i was asked to to talk about my current work in progress and i wrote this couple sentences and i'm like is this is this what my book is like does it sound stupid and will was like oh it sounds good i was like okay good i guess but i still think it sounds weird and it's mm-hmm. like and and i and i think that's a combination of things going on there obviously but anyway well
2: i just want to say that the way that you described it actually made me want to read it even more than you telling me it was a retelling of beowulf Are oh, you retelling okay. me that it was a retelling a Beowulf with an all-black military force, yeah. then I was like, okay, now I actually really, really, really want to read this. And now I'm really putting you pressure on your having it done by November 30th so I can read
0: it for December. Well, I need NaNoWriMo, um, my friend, and then I'll get it done.
2: Yeah, it's okay, NaNoWriMo. <laughs> that's fine. I'll have it in my inbox on December 1st, period. Okay. Sounds um, good.
0: This so, is why we hired Will, by the way, Brent.
1: I, I see. <laughs> Motivation. Hey. And this is why we pay
0: him the, the big money? Yeah. We we He's the pretty one. Pay. He has that title. <laughs>
3: okay, that He got the title. Looted yep, that. Right.
0: Titles are good. That's right. payment, right?
2: Right. <laughs> yeah, that is. So I'm going to use an example of a book that I really love, which is called Six of Crows by Lee Berdugo. And I really want to touch upon it by... The reason I'm choosing this is because for me personally, for my book, this is the book that I studied to an extent. Actually, not to an extent. I've been studying it because in this book, Lee really, in my opinion, leveled up in a lot of ways. She wrote before this the Shadow and Bone trilogy, which was beautiful and so good. But Six of Crows is really about, it's a heist. My novel that I'm writing is a space opera heist and um, super gay, and a found family, just like Six of Um, One of the troubles I was having with it, which I didn't expect, and I think I talked about this on the other podcast. I don't know. I know me and Nick Marshall, I've mentioned it. The main character, Nina, is having an experience that I didn't realize was deeply personal to me. Because I wasn't trying to write something that was autobiographical. And I did it in such a way unconsciously that when I had to go to Juvie, I put my experience and my sadness into Nina because she was also kept as prisoner and her brother and her friends were experimented on. And I didn't realize that my trouble writing it wasn't about creating conflict it was about moving through conflict and how do you raise the stakes because in a weird way i was too close to it so i needed to ask myself the proper questions and the questions were what what we did for the exercise who longs for what right and when i looked at six of crows each of those characters in the crew, and I'm only going to touch upon two in this episode, is Kaz and Inej. Kaz is someone who um, society would look at because he has to walk with a cane and he has a bad leg that he is less than. And he consistently, uh, through his actions and through his swag, rejects that notion, okay, without it actually being a thing. So it was very subtle, I felt like she did.
3: That reminds me of uh, Six Wakes in Merge's character, the Doctor. Yeah.
2: So then we have um, Inej, who is someone who is taken from her family, put into a role of like this escort prostitute, but she's an amazing thief and she longs for her family and a family. Kaz is longing for control, okay, and to almost be accepting of what is happening in his life. What are those people willing to do to satisfy their longings? They've created a heist. They're going to make sure that they're secure, that they're the ones who are gonna come on top and they will work together and band together to do this. And who or what opposes them? I think what's brilliant about this book is not only is it internally who opposes them because they're all bringing up these, they all have faults None of these kids are perfect. They've all had these um, scarring type of damaging stuff happen to them. But who opposes them are the other criminal gangs, the other people um, who could make the heist go awry. And then the last one was, you know, write out your singular conflict, make sure it aligns with a physical, mental, or spiritual longing. And she did that in those two characters. As a matter of fact, too, I just want to say she does this with all the characters in that book. In the duology. And when I thought about my heist, I did that, not just with Nina, but with all my other characters, except for one, who I really wrote as a mystery in a lot of ways, but highly capable. And I figured if she's too highly capable, then how can I give her something that makes her maybe a little bit more relatable? Like, what does she really want? What is her... You know focus so the exercise made me um really think and i think with six of crows the singular conflict is um when you drill it down getting the heist to work because it benefits all of the crew it brings down a certain syndicate and they can live more comfortably
3: anyone else that was really well explained Oh, yeah no okay. super like, explain just move to the next question i don't yeah. want to follow up that Jeez. Uh, yeah
0: so, that was wow so will i'm i Jack. as part of my job i'm i know that you put this in the email and i appreciate that um part of my job is keeping track of time and and all that kind of stuff so um with the, we basically just finished chapter one yeah am i wrong okay so we're good there okay. mm-hmm. so i say we can cover part of chapter two and in, and in, uh it, it, it depends on how much longer Brent has. Let's talk about that.
1: Oh, I'm I'm free. No, I'm like wide <laughs> open. But I, I right. cleared out my night for this because I've actually I I've, um I didn't even mention it, but like I've been using all these exercises. I think I told Will, but I've been using all these exercises on like a completely new thing just to test mm-hmm. it out and see how it goes. So,
3: well, what what if we finish chapter one with talking about our own works and answering these questions and our experience from reading this chapter? Well, I think that's a good idea too.
0: That's a
3: good yeah. way to finish off. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to do? Because I, uh, I'll say it. I'm on a time limit.
0: Yeah. So yeah, let's do that. Let's wrap up. Let's talk about our own work in context of that exercise on 1.8. And I think I kind of touched on it a little bit myself. Um, and then we can, is there any way we can kind of just talk and tease chapter two a little bit and just get into a little bit of it, Will? And then we can kind of come back to it on the next recording? Um. No. Uh, no. This is what okay. we're going to do.
2: Okay. We're all going to talk about the exercise of how it affected our work and what we thought about. And then I'm going to talk about what I want our listeners to actually think Perfect. about. Okay.
0: Perfect. Let's do that.
2: Okay. So Brent, since you're our guest, you can go first about. Okay. The exercise.
1: Uh, let me actually grab the freaking notebook. I'm writing it in. All right. So I started <laughs> like a, I started like a whole new thing just to like mess around with this and do the exercises because I was like, I want to be dedicated to it. I Actually, want to do it right.
0: All I love
1: right, it. so I love uh, it. let me get to. So, like, I, I did like a little bit of world building, blah blah blah. Played around with it, and I was like, well, nah. Let me try to like uh, actually think about it. All right, so um, so I have this. Uh, I think I did the actual the. Is the primary conflict one in the first chapter two, or is that like the next chapter? Because I don't want to jump ahead.
2: Um. So this is the questions for figure one eight. Who ah, got you. Okay. What? Yeah, that one. Do you know what one gotcha. I'm talking about? Yep.
1: I right? uh, know exactly which one. Okay. So I have uh so basically there's this character. She is she's an older she's an older woman, like uh near her sixties, and she's she's basically the ruler of this um well-off country. It's not like the greatest power in the world, but it's a well off country. But her daughters were murdered. And she knows who murdered them. She knows it was this rival empire it was much more powerful than her her country. But she is dead set on getting revenge for them. So that's like driving everything that she's doing. Now, that's kind of what um, that's what she longs for. Basically, she longs for revenge. She wants to get justice for her daughters. So, what is she willing to do to satisfy that? Well, there are two colonies well two former colonies of her nation that have had freedom for a few generations and she's like no i need you back with me if i'm going to take on this empire so she's willing to take to destroy their independence and take them back over to have the resources that she needs to be able to fight the people that murder her kids so that's how far she's willing to go as opposed to who or what opposes her the people that murdered the empire that murdered her daughters. Basically, I did something that's kind of crazy. I'm gonna see where it goes with them, but basically, their 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 whole thing is like they're modeled after butterflies. Like, so they're just really kind of like decadent, very beautiful people, but they're also vicious as hell. So, like, that's kind of like what she's dealing with in terms of opposition. So, um, her singular conflict is that. She basically wants to – she doesn't want to die without getting justice for her kids and basically redeeming redeeming her failure because that's what she feels like she did. She failed by letting her daughters die. So wow. that's what I got.
2: So wow. let me ask you this. <clears throat> Do you feel like doing this exercise helped you have a clearer vision of what you oh. wanted to write?
1: Oh, hell yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I had an idea. Like, I wrote down – you know, I had, like, this, these little scatterings of ideas and different things I wanted to pull together – and I kind of had an idea of I, I knew who she was. I just didn't know what she wanted until I actually started thinking about it. And I'm like, I need a reason why she wants to take over these colonies. And I was like, you know, money, you can do that. That's that's typical. But I was like, nah, who who has so much vengeance in them that they're willing to like take over some shit to just to have the armies to fight somebody else? So I was like, nah, I think that's more compelling. So this definitely helped me just kind of like figure out how to make her a more like stark character, I guess. And now I like see her clearly in my head and I really, really know like what she wants and what's driving her. And so now I can, I can plot around that now. So now that I have that, I can build around that motivation.
2: Awesome. Um, Nick, what about you for this exercise?
3: So I think one of the biggest issues that I have in writing this book is actually sticking to, what my main character wants um, because I've changed it like four times. And so this is helping me refocus to realize, okay, all the problems that I know I'm having and that I'm seeing is stemming from this. Like, what does he actually want? You know, what, what is, what is the promise that I, that I gave in the beginning? Like, you know, so it's, it's helping me refocus, Um, you know, something that's in the beginning to where it's going to get me to in the end. Um, Even though it may not be written, I needed to make that decision and be like, this is what he actually wants. This is what I need him to fight for. This is how all that is going to go. Does that make sense? Do you
2: understand now? Like, what are these people willing to do to satisfy their longings?
3: Yeah, see, and now the other questions were kind of easier for me to answer because I knew what I was able to have my character do i knew exactly like how far he was willing to go but at the the end of the days i don't know what he really wants and so that's really 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 helped me out
2: it's interesting you say that because i think you're right after reading it i think that was the one question that wasn't answered where all the other ones were and I feel like, especially yeah. after we did the episode, um, which listeners you can listen to, and then there's <laughs> a <not>. 42 box, <laughs> yeah. Um, 42, I think, or, yeah, yeah, I think you knew what the main conflict was, right? Like, you were you started getting a clear understanding of what mystery you to build. Where the first question, I feel like, is only going to strengthen the conflict in your story within the mystery
3: yeah absolutely yeah and i think yeah i had no i had no issue answering any other questions from uh, figure 1.8 <laughs> other than the first one and i was like I'm, I'm an idiot but at least i can fix it
2: no you're not an idiot you're just fixing it that's all you're not an idiot i'm that.
3: learning
2: no, no damaging <laughs> words here okay i refute that in the name that all of that is holy <laughs> um <clears throat> marshall
0: uh, I kind see? of talked about it a little bit, but I, I would like to kind of do what Brent did a little and do, be a little yeah. more specific. Go a little deeper, um, deeper. And the reason being is so what does my character long for? So my main character, uh, his name is Wolf, obviously after Beowulf. Um, and he it was interesting because I had a little issue. Okay, so I know what he I know what the world wants, but what does he want? Right. And so that's kind of I have to distill that down a little bit more. So obviously, once an end to the grand conflict, this this there's this um, you know re- invading force that is that is basically bur- you know bubbling up from beneath the surface of the earth and trying to take over regions and that kind of stuff, right? And this is what the all-black military force is fighting, and he's and he's part of this force, and his father was part of this force, and and you know it might be kind of cliche, but I'm also taking parts of uh uh you know a book that's based off of lineage and 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 that kind of thing so i think that was kind of important to keep that so his father was killed by this better this bigger entity version of this kind of zombie like force that's coming out and so he partially wants that he wants an end to this conflict but he also wants to figure out what happened to his father and why his father was tied into to this as well and so there's sort of a vengeance avenging a his father part of it as well um, but i also have another pov character who is just looking for acceptance and that's what she's longing for and so what's happening with that is that's the other side of the conflict is she gets sucked into being on the i don't want to say the dark side but being part of this invading force because she just wants to belong somewhere right and she's like oh this is my big break and she follows along with this bad boyfriend or whatever and you whatever you say and she tries to find herself within this and then ends up with wolf later and so i think what's interesting is trying to find acceptance regardless for her and so that was kind of what i was toying with on with those characters um but what are they doing uh what are they willing to do to satisfy their longing uh wolf's willing to give his life which is part of i think part of his character and there's more there and i need to kind of explain that a little bit more but um, Kat is, uh, the other character, the, uh, female character is willing to become something other to be accepted. Right. And that she kind of becomes something else in order to, uh, be accepted or feel like she's accepted. You know what I mean? And giving herself up, um, on that level, uh, I think is what I ended up with for that, for this exercise. I don't know if, if that carries through in the text as it is now, but I'm hoping that, with revision that will help, <laughs> but, um, who's opposing them is, is obviously this, this force call, that I call the grin. Um, and there's obviously, um, a hierarchy there as well, um, that they got to deal with. Um, but yeah. Oh, what's the last one? Making the sure last you... one
2: is right out your singular conflicts, make sure you align it with a physical, mental, or spiritual longing.
0: So basically th- Ultimately, for both characters, it's just uh, eventually it's going to be destroying this 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 destroying the grand before they uh, assimilate humanity. Essentially, so that's what I've come up with.
2: I think that's great. And do you feel like this definitely helped you? Like just this little exercise helped you?
0: Yeah, because it realized it made me realize that Wolf needs to long for more, um, and there's something missing there. Um, and, and I think that's going to come from the characters and the, um, the companions he has around him as the adventure kind of continue, or as the plot unfolds. Um, and I fleshed out a little bit of that already, but, um, I think there's more there, uh, as well that I need to deal with. So definitely help me. Um, also like Nick said, I, I have a lot of work to do. So <laughs> awesome. even though I only have like 30,000 words left, which is disconcerting.
1: Oh my God! well, oh, you're, you're in the you're in the, the downton oh. those <laughs>
0: I have like the third act, basically, for 40,000 words left that I that I need to be done with, and I want yeah. to finish in a couple months. November thirtieth. No,
2: November. My November
0: thirtieth will set it. It's on record. I'm recording it. I've edited. I've, it. Given, you I've it? given
2: I've given you too much
0: leeway, as it is. <laughs> I okay? know you have, but thank you for thank you for being uh, flexible with my life uh, madness. <laughs> right, but now now that you just told me that's all you have left,
2: there's no flexibility left. November thirtieth, okay, it's finished. December first, we send it done okay um, don't, don't be yesing me oh no jump, I'm I'm not I,
3: I'm i 100% know.
0: saying yes okay. I will do that M-
3: Marshall I have to have version 3 to well by then too so it's yeah. fine okay, okay.
0: get it together men bitches Friend, you're starting to okay. see okay. What no, I'm the, the witness
3: I'm the witness now so <laughs> there we go uh, <laughs> But I want on record before November thirtieth, Will submits his short story somewhere for publication.
0: Better. will You, can't, you yeah. can't hold us to our stuff if you can't do it. You gotta do it. No. Uh, right. I'm, I'm going to do it all. I'm <laughs> going to do all of now. it. Brent's writing <laughs> shit down.
1: <laughs> yep. I'm like, I'm going to keep deadlines. I'm good about that too. Okay. Y'all got to ask some of the other writers that the bug. They they're like Brent is a um, hound dog when it comes to that. I love that. That's awesome. um,
0: That's what we need in this group. It's for real. <laughs> Do we? I don't know.
1: Well, I'll put it out there. I mean, after FireCon, I am going to be a free bird. So if you want me to look at stuff, y'all could throw it at me.
0: Awesome, dude. Yeah, oh, we will. Uh, it's, we need more people to keep us in check, that's for sure. Will we'll holler at me via text Isn't hasn't been enough, I guess. <laughs> I've been very
2: lenient on him. You. you have um, been. Thank you, buddy. You're welcome. So I'm going to answer the question because I only – kind of went into it. Um, I think who longs for what for my story. It wasn't just about my main character point of view, which is Vina. I needed to fully realize the rest of the crew. Um, and I think all of them um, are searching for um, family in a way That drives their motivations, but also I made sure that they had another longing. Okay, that's innate to their personality. My one, um, character, uh, Sakai, uh, is a language expert. So she constantly, recklessly sometimes, is seeking out knowledge. Um, my one character is trying to find out what exactly she is, who she is. Because her whole entire past has been jumbled, she doesn't know. Where Nina really wants to create, get the heist in, so that again they have they have money, they or they have like some type of means to create a life. But within that story, it's also about finding her parents and her brother, who is in the crew. For him, it was finding a way and proving to himself that he can depend on himself and also to um, he's also searching and his searching doesn't come out as strong as Nina's at first. Um, what are they willing to do to satisfy their longings to go on this super reckless, very dangerous heist, but they all think that they can do it. Um, who or what opposes them um, Two reigning factions of empires slash schools of thought, you know, and both of them could seem um, like one's right, and one's wrong. But as the story goes on, you start to see flaws in them both, like any society, any society that claims it's free. As far as we know right now, how free are they? There's always this means of. You're only so free, you know? Um, And then my singular conflict um, is really the heist. The heist is dictating, okay, all of these other things that they're all searching for. So together, they're trying to get this heist and get the prince off this one planet. Um, But within that is all their own little issues, you know, whether like my one character who's the language experts in love with Nina and she just wants to make those feelings sound. So there's all this internal conflict within there as well. So I felt like I did a good thing of like constantly layering it. Now it's just getting through that middle part that
0: this has helped. Well, I think that's the, the part that people struggle with too, is at the middle part and a lot of that, a lot of things we've been talking about, I think get resolved not resolve, but progress in that middle section too is the longing and what in you know trying to get those needs met and satisfying those longings and and getting closer to that before you get to towards the end too. So sounds like it was helpful yeah. for you, sir.
2: Yeah, it totally was. This has been mm-hmm. like really fun. I really wanted to you know drill down. So I think for our listeners, I think what um, would be good is to think about those four questions: uh, who longs for what. What are those people willing to do to satisfy their longings? Who or what opposes them? And write out your singular conflict. Make sure it does align with a physical, mental, or spiritual longing. If you can encapsulate all those three things, then you're going to start seeing your story most likely move quicker. At least it did for me. It started getting me more towards the third act.
0: And one of the things too, I think that's it. If as we do more, I think episodes like this, where we have a little exercise that we've done is throwing it back to the community as well. Uh, we do have our discord channel, um, feel free to, you know, jump in there and, and we love hashing this kind of stuff out too. So, and, and helping folks with things too. So if you want to throw in the, your four questions and, and, and throw that in the discord, that's, that's a perfect place to do that for sure. And, and, you know, we're all about it, all about community over here. So we want to make sure everybody's writing and, you know, and, and, and I don't know. Honing their craft, I guess, is the best way to say it. So, yeah, hundred percent. I so, want to say
2: one other. I want to say oh, one other these. quote real quick. These. This is yes. this is really good. Um, when writing a novel, a writer should create living people, people, not characters. A character is a caricature, and it's from Ernest Hemingway. Um, like him or not, um, I think there's some wisdom in there. You know. For sure. um, I think the stories that we've all loved is that we've really felt like these characters are our friends, our family and people that we really innately
0: want to be around. For sure. So I guess we're going to wrap up here. Uh, Brent, thanks so much, man, for joining us again. Can't thank you enough uh, for, for giving us this evening, especially before the convention and everything. So uh i think if if we'd loved i don't know i'm gonna throw that out there we'd love to have you back to talk about some other chapters uh in the future for sure i and mean you you're...
1: guys got be doing a whole new project behind it so i'm down for <laughs> future chapters
0: if, if you're willing to do it we'll we'll hit you up and, and we'll, we'll do that we'll make sure it's after the convention though because that's coming up too quick <laughs> And, and best of luck with that. And, and just before we wrap up, too, if you could tell people where to find you, of course, uh, you know, like I said, everybody's podcast is their first podcast. If never if they didn't hear you on the last episode, um, hit them again and let them know what you're all about.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so, I again, I am the program director for FireCon, which is a part of Fire Literary Magazine, where I handle social media and reviews. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. That's pretty much where I'm mostly at, at um, Brent C. Lambert.
2: Perfect. All right. Anything else, gentlemen? I think this is great. Um, that's it for me. Nick, do you have anything else you want to say?
3: We'll have a link for this book in the show notes as well. So please pick it up by either purchasing from
0: Amazon, Twitter link, or at your local bookstore. Yep. And we'll have the links to all that in the show notes. And uh, yeah. Until next time, this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers by writers to keep you writing. Check out our website at justkeepwriting.org. You can find links to our social media and Discord channel in the show notes, as well as any other links mentioned during the show. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. Thanks for listening. Now just keep writing.